All right, well, wasn't that dramatic? All right, <laughs> welcome to Mercy Fellowship, where we are saved by Jesus' work. We are changed by Jesus' grace, and we are living on Jesus' mission. Uh, and uh, guys, if you haven't signed up for Man Camp yet, we do encourage you uh, to do that. We're going to be carpooling down there together uh, into Central Oregon. Great time uh, over a Friday, Saturday into Sunday uh, to get to connect with guys in this church, to be part of a large gathering of dozens of churches around Oregon, Idaho, and Washington. Uh, hear good teaching, sing, have a good time, eat some good food, uh, and come back tired, wore out. And so uh, and you saw there's lots of activities, all that fun stuff too. So um, there's be more information about that later in the service. But hey, I'm, I'm excited to be with you guys today. I'm excited to be back here uh, preaching after a couple uh, weeks off. We had Curtis did an awesome job two weeks ago, and we had Dr. Paul Dean last week serving us really well. And so we are back in a series that we began at the beginning of the year. Uh, that was January. It's already like middle of March now. Like, actually, I thought yesterday was as close to summer as we're probably going to see until next year. I don't know. So um, uh, hopefully you got to enjoy outside. But we've been in this series called Preeminence. His story, our practice. And what we've been trying to do in this series is reorient our lives, reorient our hearts, reorient how we see the world, how we understand church, how we understand ourselves by trying to ask and answer the question of who is first and what is our first priority to be. And we recognize from the get-go that like there's a lot of things that compete to be first in our lives. And so uh, like, you know, entertainment is always seeking to captivate our attention. Political and social causes demand our allegiance. Family, exercise, community, sometimes yard work, right? Consume our activity. Relationships, art, music, food, they stir our affections. And, and then sometimes when we want to check out, when we want to numb out, when we're dealing with pain, then we find ourselves um, pursuing uh, uh, and being consumed by addictions. And so if we're going to have a clear perspective of the world, if we're going to understand ourselves, the world around us, uh, the community that we're in, then we need to reorient our lives around who and what is to be first. And so um, when we as a church, when we as Christians try to answer the question of who or what is to be first, for us, we look to Jesus. We look to the Bible. And it says in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, which this has kind of been the verses that have been the umbrella for this whole series. So you can turn there if you want to. Colossians 1, uh, 15 through 20 says this. It's talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn, meaning the highest authority of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and in, in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. We've said this every week. This is the only place in the New Testament that uses this word. And it means to be of highest value, highest authority, most glory, being chief of all things. And it's only ascribed to Jesus Christ. 
who in verse 19 they say, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So when we answer the question, who's first, what's to be first, our answer absolutely needs to be Jesus. And then we believe Jesus is worthy of being first. Right? It says he's the image of the invisible God. To, to see Jesus is to see God. That he is the creator God. He's the God that made all things. That all things hold together by him. Jesus is our sustainer. And that on the cross, Jesus breaks down the conflict between us and God, the conflict between us and others, the conflict between us and ourselves in sin. And he deals with it on the cross, giving us then wholeness and peace. And so this is what we want our lives oriented around. Jesus is what we orient our lives around. And so um, when we talk about his story, right, that's the whole story of the Bible that is really all focused on Jesus. Jesus who creates, us and our sins separated from God. Jesus who pursues, Jesus who lives perfectly, Jesus who dies, dies of the death we deserve, Jesus who rises again, Jesus who will return, who's ruling and reigning. And so if all of history is his story, then we just believe it should then inform our practices. And so all that we've been doing in January, February, into March now as a church, is reorienting our eyes towards Jesus and reinforcing the foundations of what we believe it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. See, here at Mercy Fellowship, we say we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ who love God and who love people. And then we think that, like not an exhaustive list, but, but there's a few practices that just kind of undergird what does it mean to be a faithful disciple? So we've been walking through these over the last several weeks that if Jesus is going to be first, uh, then we're going to gather uh, around him. That if Jesus is going to be first, then he's going to be first in our finances. So we're going to be people who are generous, people who give. And that Jesus is the motivation and the reason and the one who causes us to grow, that we pursue growth in him for him. And then this week and next week, we're talking about what does it mean to go? What does it mean to go on mission? And, and, and so if you have your discipleship guides, um, I kind of switched it up a little bit. We're actually going to, this week, going to be in Grow Part 2. So you can, if you've got one of these, that's great. If not, we're going to be in Psalm 96 for the rest of our time today. And this week and next, what I want us to be thinking about is our motives for mission and our methods of mission. See, if Jesus is going to be first, then we've got to ask ourselves, what is our agenda? And how is our agenda finding its way to be in line with Jesus' agenda? See, we believe Jesus' agenda is one of forgiveness, one of mercy, one of grace, one of justice, yes, one of holiness, yes, but Jesus is about the restoration of relationships. Jesus is about reconciliation. Jesus is about healing. Jesus is about wholeness and holiness, mercy and justice, grace and truth, power and strength, beauty and power and boldness. And so I want us as a church 
to reignite our missional imagination by reorienting ourselves around Christ's mission. So next week we'll talk Great Commission and then also uh, we've kind of said it for a couple weeks. We're going to have lunch together after church just kind of talking about some things that we think are really important for us, uh, for our church to, to thrive and flourish in this season and the season to come. So um, hopefully you guys can be there for that as well. So here we are, Psalm 96. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be up on the screen. I've broken this up into three sections looking at our motive for mission what life on mission looks like and urgency of the mission. And you're like, well, Psalms, that's a weird spot to be. I mean, this is Jesus' mission. This is an Old Testament book. Well, this song, as we read it, I want you to know, there it is. One of our missional priorities is new electric, uh, electrical around here. Okay, that's, that's, we just think that Jesus is the light right? Uh, and so, uh, and in him there is no darkness, right? In our building, there is darkness, and we want there to be light. Okay, man, I used to be so much better at not getting distracted when that happens, and after six, seven years now, it's just a, a constant, uh, okay, we're back to it. Psalm 96, this is a psalm written as a victory battle cry to, to lead God's people towards God's purposes, seeing God as glorious, seeing uh, the idols of this world as worthless, calling people to gather together around the new song that God is singing with a bit of urgency, because there is a time of judgment, a time of refining, a time of ultimate life. Here we go. Psalm 96, 1 through 6 says this. This is our motive for mission. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his, his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared or revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are, are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Okay, as we get going, we will desire to be on mission because we love God and we see God as glorious. Like next week, we'll talk more about what the mission is, but, but I want us to know where is our heart motivation in talking to people about Jesus? And, and, and like I, it has to come from a place of ultimately seeing God as glorious. And, and the reason that we're looking at Psalm 96 is because music more than anything else, has the ability to, to motivate us, has the, motiv the ability to, to really stir our heart's affections, to, to, to speak uh, the truth at our, the deepest soul level. Uh, and, and then also, because let's just be clear, like music sticks with us, right? I mean, there's a reason that like 1877 Cars for Kids, like I didn't have that in the notes. I just know it because it's a jingle that's been on the radio forever. Right? Uh, I get, it's where you sell your cars. I don't know, you give it to them and it gets to kids. I don't know what happens. I just know the song. Like, you know your favorite shows have a theme song. You know when you're watching a movie, it's got a soundtrack and that it stirs your affections. And, and the reality is, every single thing we sing on a Sunday morning has way more ability to stick with you through the week than anything I'm going to say. Because music sears our hearts. Because music is how we memorize things. I mean, I, 
I could start the Fresh Prince deal right now and y'all would be doing it in like the next two minutes, right? And if you didn't, it just means you didn't grow up in the 90s or you just don't know. I don't mean the new Fresh Prince. Apparently on Peacock, there's like some gritty reboot of the Fresh Prince. It's like, when's the Punky Brewster reboot coming out? Okay. Oh man, half you got that and half you lost. Let's go. This song, this psalm is a grand mission battle cry that rallies God's people to be on God's mission. It's a song of victory. It's a song of victory because our God is a king. It's a song of of mercy and redemption because our God is the one who judges. And it says, yes, for his people, but, but he moves it beyond the people of God to say, hey, there is one God over all gods. There is one God over all people. So I need you to just cards on the table. Christians, we believe in the exclusivity of faith in Jesus Christ. We don't believe that Jesus is a God. We believe that Jesus is the God. And so as the people of God, we've been saying we're being called to, yes, be loving and compassionate to all people. Yes, dwell with all people. I mean, we are in a pluralistic society to be sure. But what this song is saying and what God's word teaches and what I want us to know is no matter how pluralistic our society gets, we are in a monotheistic universe where there is one God overall. And he's, he's made himself known to us in Jesus Christ. And so we believe that this God is worthy of worship. We believe that this God is not just for his people, but for all people. And so we will share with others what we ultimately find awesome. I think it's here in verse three, it says, declare his glory. That word glory means of great substance, to actually be weighty. Like, like it, there's that sense of something that is valuable, right? Like we all know when you, when you pick up like, like just like a cheap thing from Walmart, right? And it's plastic and it's light, but then you pick up like the real deal, like made of metal. It's just weighty. You're like, oh, this is clearly more valuable. Saying God is weighty. God is valuable, possessing immense value. And so we are to be captivated by his greatness and excited by how glorious he is. And that that is supposed to, to be a wellspring in us that causes us to naturally share with what and who we think is glorious. I want you to think for a moment, like, what do you love to talk about? What do you love to talk about? What's that thing that when somebody asks you a question about, like, you just kind of light up, like your countenance changes, like the tone in your voice changes. You go from like, like, you know, you're at a, you're at a, a party, people you don't really know. Somebody asks you a question about something like, hey, what's your job? You're like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. You know, like, like, oh, well, hey, you know, are you excited about this? Hey, you know, what, what's, oh yeah, golf. Yeah, I love golf. I don't. Some of you do, right? Like, what is it for you? They're like, you have no problem talking about. Like, like when the meme comes by, you have no problem hitting share because you're just like, oh yeah, that rings true. See, mission begins in our hearts because there's just things that we naturally are captivated by that we find is awesome. And here we're being called to and being reminded that we have and serve and are loved and led by an awesome God. That any call to mission is really a call for us to continue to be worshipers of that and who we find to be ultimately awesome. 
So it's not a begrudging like deal. It's like, hey, as Christians, we say that we're saved by Jesus' grace. We, here at Mercy Fellowship, we say that we are changed, I'm sorry, sorry, saved by Jesus' work, changed by Jesus' grace, that that will lead us to live on Jesus' mission. That is an outflow of you already knowing, hearing, experiencing the grace and mercy of God that comes in Jesus Christ. That as God's kingdom advances, it advances first in our hearts. As God and his Holy Spirit just takes more and more ground, more and more space in your mind, in your thoughts, in how you see the world. So that sharing, ascribing value to, singing comes naturally because it's from that wellspring. It says here that we're to sing of the Lord. We are to tell of his salvation. And I think part of why we don't, I think there's lots of reasons why we don't. But part of why this isn't natural for us, we're like maybe the first few like gather, like yeah, yeah, obviously gathering's natural for us, right? We're already here gathering together. We've been gathering on Wednesday nights at Equip, right? Like, like we kind of get that, like yeah, I'll, I'll go to church. Give, we're like, okay, well that one's harder. Like being generous is challenging for me and I, I don't really, okay, that, that's fine. But I guess I get it. Grow, we're like, yeah, I want to grow. I want to grow in the mercy of the Lord. I want to be more spiritually mature. I want to have a more peaceful, non-anxious presence. And then we get to this one, go on mission. And maybe some of you are like, yeah, I guess I'm going out to Southeast Asia or Africa or South America. No, no, the, the word, and we'll talk more about it next week. When Jesus says go in the Great Commission, the words actually mean as you go. So like, the song your life sings will be either on the mission of yourself or some other agenda or it will have God's mission as its first agenda. Part of why we don't do this though is I think that we, we've forgotten that we are a people who are known and loved by God. We've forgotten that our God came to us. We've, we've forgotten that if for some reason, by God's grace, you are a Christian today, that we are people that for a couple of millennia are standing on the shoulders of faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who went from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth all the way 2,000 years later to Snohomish County here in Marysville, Washington. That somehow, like, you're like, well, no, I just grew up in a Christian home. Like, I'm a Christian because my parents are. And like, okay, that was God's grace that you were born into a home of people that know and love and serve Jesus. Maybe that's not your story. That's totally okay. Right? Lots of people become Christians later in life because, because God pursues them. But part of how God does it is somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody invited you to church. Somebody's been praying for you for years, maybe even decades before you became a Christian. Maybe it was a faithful wife or faithful husband. Maybe it was a faithful friend. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a classmate. Like whomever it was, I want you to think about the first time you heard about Jesus in a way that stirred your heart, that caused some intrigue, that caused you to want to learn more, that caused you to gather, that caused you to read your Bible, that caused you to say, yeah, I, I believe that Jesus is who he says. Like if you're on that path, like I want you to ask, who was the first person that told you about Jesus? And were they like, hey, um, our pastor at our church, 
We're doing this series, and he wants us to show up to church on Sundays. He wants us to give up our tithes and offerings. He wants us to serve in the church. And then at the last point, he's like, he wants us to tell other people about Jesus. And um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like doing two out of three. Um, but I thought if I, if I do maybe the, the share the Jesus one, maybe I don't have to tithe. Um, and so, like, do, do, are you interested? Like, no, they were somebody who is so captivated by who God is that it changes their identity, how they see themselves. They know they're loved. They know that they are vessels and conduits of grace and mercy. And somehow you ended up in their sights and they're like, I love that person too. I know Jesus loves me. I love them. I want them to know they're loved by Jesus. If somebody's told you about Jesus, it's because they love you. It's because they desire your peace, your wholeness now, and yes, for eternity. Like maybe they're motivated because they're worried about eternity, and that's fine. But I can tell you that the fullness of the gospel is eternal life with God in Christ. So it is joyful, wonderful, peaceful, like we talked about this at Equip last week. But I also want you to know that it's an offering of eternal life that begins today. To know that you're a loved person Today, that you're a forgiven person because of what Jesus has done on the cross. See, I think we don't share Jesus with people because for ourselves, we've gotten bored with the song that's been sung. Maybe we do think, oh, yeah, it's the gospel is for those unbelievers that need to get saved. And we forget that the gospel is for us each and every day because we're still not yet perfect. We still have sin. We still have wounds that need to be healed. We still have sin that needs to be repented of. And then we remember, I need the gospel every day because God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And so we, we sing that song in our hearts Verse two says, go tell of salvation. Verse three says, declare. That is a proclamation word. That is to go out and say and tell victory has already been accomplished because of what Jesus has done in our place. And so we need to be people who are motivated because we see what God has done is great. See, we declare what's true about God. It says to all people, all nations, everywhere, for all time. I mean, Jesus' first disciples, they, they, were, all, they were all Jewish. And, and this song here is, is written to the nation of Israel. And it was very normal at that day for each nation to kind of have their God. And so this song of victory isn't just saying, hey, our God is, is a God and sometimes he wins. It's saying, no, no. Go tell all the nations of the God. And where Christianity actually began with, with Jewish people, it goes to what they call the Gentiles, those of us who are, are not of Jewish descent, and it moved from the family of God to the people of God. And now he's saying, I'm calling people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Like, it took a lot of iterations before people started preaching the gospel in English, before we get a Bible translated for us in English in the way that most of us can understand it. And so I want us all to know 
that Jesus crosses all those lines. He crosses cultures and languages and geography and time on mission as God's people proclaim across the nations. And so you're like, well, who, who should I tell about Jesus? Like, I mean, like, you know, uh, Chris, I know you've said you're in marketing before. Like, what's our, like, who's our target market? Is it like, you know, middle-aged men, you know, who like smoking brisket? Like, what's, what's the target market? Like, what, what is it? Well, no, no, simply everyone you know, every single person you know is someone who needs to know about how great God is in Jesus Christ. Everyone you know is someone that needs to know how loved they are by God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we just believe that it says here that we're right to fear him. That's not in terror, but that's a place of humility because God is great, because he's respectable, because he's praiseworthy, humility inspiring, that this, this powerful God is a God who's greater than anything or anyone else we could worship. He's able to change and fix what is broken. He's worthy to sing to, worthy to follow, worthy to trust, worthy of sharing with others because we love God and because we love other people. And so we're motivated because we love people. We want them to see God as glorious. See, I mean, it's just, when you enjoy something, isn't it just better when you share it with somebody? Right? Like, you're like, oh man, I love this show. I want everyone to know about it. Right? Like, oh, like, like maybe you like watching movies by yourself. That's fine. You know, sometimes we all need a little alone time. But isn't it better watching it with other people? Right? I mean, like, isn't like sharing a good laugh better with other people than yourself? Like, I'll just tell you, anytime I watch a comedy alone, I kind of chuckle. But when I'm with other people, it's like, oh my gosh, like, that was hilarious. Because we share with other people what we find glorious. And, and what we find glorious gets magnified as others also see it as glorious. And so if we say here that our mission is to love God and love people. The most loving thing we can do for people is to tell them of the love of God shown in Jesus Christ. That if we love other people, we will point them to the one who's ultimately lovely. Um, later in these verses, it says that our God it has splendor and majesty before him and in his sanctuary where he dwells with his people. It also says that he's characterized by both strength and beauty. Man, I love that. I mean, talk about a great song where it says, hey, hey, like this is a God who represents strength. This is a God who represents beauty and that our God has both of those in spades in such a way that like, hey, like strength without beauty is just brutish and off-putting, right? Beauty without strength is just fragile and impotent. And yet it's saying our God possesses both of those perfectly. It drives us in a different way because we are drawn to naturally strength and we're drawn to beauty. Um, like, like, I mean, gosh, this last couple days, um, like, I feel like I've been an entirely different person just seeing the light of the sun in the sky because it's beautiful and it's strong. And I'm like, yes, I can, I can do all things in the sun who strengthens me. Like, like all of a sudden, I'm like, I like mowed my lawn. I was like, all right. I mean, that, that's a lot of motivation for me. I hate yard work, okay? 
But we are drawn to beauty, right? Where you, you see a, a, an awesome sunset, you see a beautiful painting, you hear an amazing song, it's, you're drawn to it. We're also drawn to strength because it represents power and protection. So um, a few years ago, I was in London and, and uh, um, I got to be there for a few days and I went for a run on a Sunday morning with the, the time uh, lag and everything. And, and I went around uh, this corner and, and almost a mile away at the end of this park with all these trees was this, this golden statue on the top of a pillar. And I was like, I was like, I didn't know where I was, but I'm like, I just changed my whole route and I ran down this park to this giant roundabout, not like a Snohomish County roundabout, right? But like, like a big, big, like nice, glorious European roundabout. And, and in the middle of it, it's this grand golden statue. I'm like, this is amazing. And, and like my eyes were captivated for, for um, like almost a mile. And then I get there and I look next to it and there's this massive, glorious building. And I've, some of you have heard this before. That's okay, you can laugh when I say it again. And, and, and the, like it was Sunday morning, there's nobody out there. I'm in my running clothes, and, and this, uh, finally this guy walks by. I was like, hey, I'm from America. What's this building? And he just goes, it's Buckingham Palace, you twit. Just like that. And I was like, whoa. And I said this. I said, we want a war so I wouldn't have to know that stuff. That was my response, because I just felt like he was rude. If you didn't know, uh, there was a war of revolution against England, and, and we became America, the 13 colonies. Um, you can listen to Hamilton, and we'll break it all down for you. Okay. But like, I was drawn to the glory, drawn to the beauty. Like, that is, is how we are to see God gathering with his people, like the creation he's made, power and beauty. And that should motivate us to run a race that God has for us. To have others know and see that, that power and beauty of our God. And then, the, and then the, these verses here contrast that with all the lame gods all the other so-called gods. See, we desire to be on mission because we love people and we don't want them to follow lame gods. It says right in these verses in Psalm 96, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. See, an idol is just anything that we make, that we see and hold that is not God, that we ascribe worth and value to, that ends up eclipsing the way we're supposed to see God. Okay, that was maybe even more of a, a, a complicated um, a definition. An idol is anything that's not God that we worship. So sometimes that idol, and I'd say one of the greatest idols in our culture right now, is ourselves. Right? We see ourselves as ultimately glorious. Now, I want to be clear. You are, you're valuable. You are incredibly valuable to God. That we believe our value comes from not who we are, but who made us. That we are made in the image and likeness of God. So God clearly sees you as valuable because he made you, because he's the creator. And what we've done is we've inverted that and we've made ourselves God. And so we've told ourselves, I just need to know that I'm more worthy. And so I just need to do, you know, just, just focus on self-care. And that's it. Like if I just focus my attention on myself as first, then that'll make me better to serve others. Can, can, can we agree for a moment that we do not have an epidemic of selflessness in our culture? But perhaps what's drawing us most 
And this is where, where he says, all the idols of the people are worthless. I'm not saying you're worthless, not saying I'm worthless. But when we make things and elevate them higher than they're supposed to be, higher than, than God himself, then when they ultimately find themselves to be worthless. And so because we place our identity as our highest value, we start to make horrible and, and challenging assumptions about who we are around our, our identity, around our sexuality, and all of these things that lead us not to greater life and flourishing, not to being our more authentic selves, but lead us into greater places of, of depression and anxiety and confusion. And so when we tell people about the love, the grace and mercy, the beauty and power of our God in Jesus Christ, what we're not doing is trying to call them to something lesser. Hey, give up this amazing thing and you can follow God. What we're actually doing is we're calling people to someone who's ultimately more valuable, to someone who's worthy of worship. That we're saying, trade in your lame God for an awesome God. That's, that's the value proposition. Hey, you're not a great God. In fact, you... You, we don't even follow our own morality most of the time. Like, there's a God who's ultimately worthy. Like, trade in what is invaluable or, for, or is less valuable for that who is truly valuable. See, in, in marketing, um, right, it's, it's all about creating a need uh, and, and answering a need. And so, and like, any advertisements that you look at, right? They're trying to like tell you what's your functional hell and we're gonna come in and we're gonna, we're gonna be your savior. And, and, and right now, I mean, gosh, we've got, we've got algorithms and AI that, that, that are such students of everything we've ever written, everything we've said, everything you've scrolled, everything you've clicked, everything you've viewed, uh, everything you've shared. Like, like it has all that data and then it says, I think I know where the emptiness in their heart is why don't I serve him up an ad for a solo stove, right? And you're like, I, I, I need a solo stove. I'm like, I don't have a place to use it, but man, like a stove that, that the smoke goes straight up and doesn't get in your face, that's amazing. It's all right. I mean, if you have one, that sounds great. Um, I mean, the algorithm's crazy. Uh, I'll say this for a moment. Like um, a couple weeks ago, I was at a conference. I was trying to fall asleep. Uh, and so I'm watching late night TV uh, and you flip through the infomercials and I just can't do it. Can't do the infomercials. Uh, and so I got to the end of uh, a really cool movie called Ford versus Ferrari, um, right? Uh, and it's about... I don't know, race cars in the 60s, uh, and it's got Christian Bale, uh, not as Batman, so it wasn't quite as cool. Um, but, and then Matt Damon, who's always Matt Damon, and he's got these really cool sunglasses, which I didn't even, like, notice. But, but since watching that for the last three weeks, Instagram, multiple times uh, uh, throughout the day, are giving me ads for the Ford versus Ferrari sunglasses that Matt Damon wore. And, and I mean, I think, I think it's going to get me. Like, I mean, because I, I, mean, I already know now, they're $37, right? I mean, like, like, they can be here in like a week. And, like, and I'm like, I, I didn't even say that. But the algorithm just knew that I had I'd watched the show because it's listening all the time. Like, I mean, I wasn't scrolling. I didn't look it up. We need to be students of the world around us. We need to be students of the idols that we see in our culture, that we see in others, 
But be careful. Because I think the first work that needs to be done and continually done is to explore your own heart and see where the idols are in there. Before you start firing off, oh my gosh, can you believe they're doing it? Like Jesus talks about removing like the plank from your eye before you think about removing the speck from somebody else's. So let's be students of the culture around us, but also let's be people, if we're going to be on mission, who are honest about where our own hearts are, where we need to repent, where we can live in this world and engage with this world. And that leads to the next verses. Um, we're going to be living on mission here in, in Psalm 96, 7 through 9. It says this. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. See, when it says ascribe, it's a word we don't use very often. It means just telling the truth about something. It, it means regarding God as he is. That recognizing his greatness will lead to worship. That it, it'll drive us to places of personal sacrifice. It'll drive us to, it says, gather together in the courts. Drive us to share his splendor and mercy, it says, with the nations. But in order to do that, we need to know that God's salvation is both needed and valuable, right? If you're going to be a brand ambassador, you need to know the product. So a lot of um, what I did in marketing before I was a pastor was actually training people who would be out at events who were supposed to be ambassadors of the mission statement of whatever product it was. So sometimes it was credit cards and mortgages. That was kind of lame. Nobody really likes that. But they'll sign up for one for a free t-shirt, um, right? But like sometimes we would do frappuccinos from Starbucks and peppermint hot chocolate and get everybody hooked on the sugar. But my absolute favorite one was the Rancher's Reserve steak promotion that we did with Safeway because we handled out samples, if you guessed it, steak, like New York strip steak, medium rare, the only way it's supposed to be cooked with salt, pepper, all these things. And, and like, I will just tell you, we did not hire any vegans to be on that promotion, right? Like, would you like this dead animal that was sacrificed for you? I'm sorry, that's how vegans sound in my voice. I apologize if that's you and you have a normal voice. Right, no, no, we hired dudes and ladies who were like, I love steak. You need to have some steak. Like, like you've got, you gotta be high on your own supplies, they'd say on the wire. Wow, that is not what I expected to say today. Right? Like, the, the people who didn't care about the products, they made, like, really crappy ambassadors. And like, I, I would have to travel around and see how the promotions were going. And if people didn't care, then like, I mean, you see them at Costco sometimes, right? Like the people, like, like they're sampling chicken wings. They're like, you want chicken wings? Yeah. And then like, people are like, hey, here's a new like, you know, fabric softener. You want to try it? I'm like, how am I trying? I always feel bad for those ones. They don't care. We get to be people who are just simply sharing what we already care about. But that means we have to know the grace and mercy of God ourselves. That we are worshiping something that we already find is glorious. And, and, and the best brand ambassadors were those that stopped caring about how they were seen in the event. 
They have no problem going out there with a big old tray of steak and like wearing a cowboy hat and like, yeehaw. Like, they're like, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like at a certain point, you're gonna have relationships with people where you need to value their salvation more than you value your reputation. Where we have to be willing at a certain point to share with them the truth about Jesus Christ. That he is the way, the truth, the life, and that no one goes to the Father except through him. And you're like, well, that's weird. Like, I don't want to be, Christians are weird. Christians are weird. And I don't know if you've looked at that. The rest of the world's really weird too, right? I mean, just scroll through like TikTok for a minute. Well, don't, because then China knows everything about you, um, right? But like, just, can we just, everybody's weird. So let's get over ourselves a little bit and be like, like we said, we are not encouraging people towards something lame, but towards ultimate truth, towards the creator God who made them, that, that we are going to be people who respond with genuine joy because we know that we are loved by God too. And I say genuine because while our world is being, you know, influenced by algorithms and influencers and uh, media and all, all those different things, right? Even though we are so crazily influenced by that, there's still something in us. There's a really high, I'll call it like a, a real high, like, like, you know, BS meter where we get when somebody's not being authentic. And we just, it just doesn't it just rub you the wrong way? Like, um... It was a couple of years ago, uh, I was working at Starbucks, and this gal sitting next to me, um, uh, out of the blue, says, you seem like a fitness-minded person. I was like, I mean, I was training for an Ironman then, so I was like, I am a fitness-minded person. And she's like, have you ever tried? And she like hands me some bar. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Thanks. She's like, yeah, I just had an extra one. I was like, thanks. Well, she like found me on Facebook like a week later and DM'd me and was like, Hey, so did you like that bar? I was like, first of all, this is weird. Get on my DMs, lady. And, and then she's like, so uh, do you want to order more? And do you know other people who might be fitness-minded, who might also like these bars, who might also want, like, I was like, oh, you're just working on your downline. I get it now, right? Like, whatever it is for you, essential oils, you know, all the, like, all the multi-level marketing, like, at a certain point, like, you're like, are you being my friend or am I just like your future downline. Like, are you just storing up treasures in heaven by sharing Jesus with me? And you're like, hey God, I recruited more people. Like, I mean, just know God loves you regardless of how many people are ushered into his kingdom because you shared Jesus with him. So it has to be from a place of genuine care and concern because I think otherwise people just get the you factor if if they think somehow that you're just, that they're just a project to you. Like I bet those people that shared Jesus with you the first time, I bet it came from a place of genuine relationship. Maybe that was built over time that allowed an interaction that was actually authentic. I mean, God can... God can work in a lot of ways, right? He can work through street preachers and evangelists and people proclaiming and different things and, you know, videos on, you know, Instagram. Or like, God can do all that. But I'm betting, and what we've seen for a couple thousand years, 
is the most effective mission strategy that God has for the kingdom to advance is members of his kingdom to be faithful ambassadors, genuinely loving and caring for the people around them in a way that is contagious and intoxicating and calls people to say, I want to worship their God too. Okay, last verses as we close. It says this, a little bit of urgency to, as we head out the door. Psalm 96, 10 through 13 says this. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy for the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The mission of God to reconcile his people to himself, to redeem and renew all creation should have a sense of urgency for us. That it's, it's clear here that, that in this time, in this life that we live, the Hebrew says it's appointed for men and women once to die and then face judgment. That God judges. That God judges with perfect justice. And he also says, I also have perfect mercy. And so mercy comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That, there, that we recognize that God is king. There's an urgency to his judgment. He's the king. He's the creator. He's the judge. And, and that, that there's this contrast in our world and the natural disposition of our hearts that wants to say, oh, I don't want to be judgmental. Hey, we don't, we, us, you, like God is the judge, so we don't have to do that. Oh, be discerning. Be wise. Speak truth to power. Like like fight for and work towards a more just society, all those things, that's great. But know that as long as there's breath in our lungs and breath in the lungs of the people that you know and love, that that is a place of hope for them, hope for you, that this is your day to repent and trust Jesus for the first time. That when the new heavens and new earth come and when you're in eternity, the one activity that none of us are going to have to do at that point is evangelism. Because judgment would have already happened and God's people will be with him forever. And, and those whose faith is not in Christ are in a place of, of eternal torment. Like, be motivated because God is good. Be motivated because God is glorious. And let's never forget that there's a bit of urgency to this mission. And I love that God saves people at various points in their lives. So as long as there's breath and there's lung, there's hope. And so let's be people who are intoxicated by God, who see him as glorious, where mission begins in our hearts, where we recognize our time here is short, the mission is large, and that we can be a people here who are saved by Jesus' work, changed by Jesus' grace, living on Jesus' mission to love God and to love people. That we believe that the most loving thing for anyone is to simply 
Trust Jesus.